singers and I, Ed Peters, welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We return today to Acts chapter 26, Luke's account of Paul's testimony before King Agrippa, his sister Bernice, Governor Festus, military officers, and leaders of the city. The appearance of Paul before Agrippa is no doubt one of the high points in the entire ministry of this apostle. It is a fulfillment of the prophecy that he should appear before kings and rulers. Undoubtedly, it was God's will that he should appear before King Agrippa. We must note once again that Paul is not on trial. Paul is not making a defense before Agrippa. Rather, he is trying to win him and the others that are present for Christ. This was one of the most splendid opportunities that any minister ever had to preach Christ.
God had told Paul that he would appear before kings and rulers, and so he does. He now presents the gospel to this man, King Agrippa, and all of the crowd assembled there that day heard it. Once again, Paul's message is that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. Paul, as always, emphasized the resurrection. Now, beginning with today's study and continuing on our next study, we are going to focus on the reaction that Felix, Festus, and Agrippa had to the message of the gospel. Now, here to bring us today's study is Pastor Henry Harder. One of the greatest privileges any Christian has is to tell people about their belief in Christ. This is why we enjoy doing what's new. It gives us an opportunity to tell the good news. Who we are, where we are located, what we look like, these things are almost totally unimportant. What we sing and say is important. We want everyone to hear about Jesus Christ, whether you're in California or in Nigeria or in Russia or Argentina or Japan or wherever else on this planet. We want to take every opportunity to share the good news. Good news ought to be shared. That must have been Paul's view, too. I'm sure if radio had been in use, he would have used it. In the book of the Acts of the Apostles, in chapter 26, he shares the good news with a governor, a king, and military and civilian dignitaries, a most impressive audience. The king is Agrippa, the governor is Festus, the place is Herod's palace in Caesarea, the capital city of Judea on the Mediterranean coast. Paul, in chains, is invited by King Agrippa to speak. He motions with his manacled hands and addresses Herod. Herod, with his Jewish background, is well familiar with Judaism. Paul first establishes the fact that he is not only an observant Jew, but a strict Pharisee. He cannot be accused for violating Judaism in any way. Here in Paul's own words is his crime. He says, And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our twelve tribes are hoping to see fulfilled. O king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Why indeed? The resurrection is taught in what we Gentiles call the Old Testament, not because it is inferior or outdated, but because it is older than the new. Paul says that their Hebrew Bible taught the resurrection. So why should he be put on trial by the Jews for teaching what their Hebrew Bible taught? The resurrection should not seem incredible to any Bible-believing Jew. Yet that was his crime, he tells Agrippa. Really, the resurrection was on trial. Really, the Hebrew Bible the Word of God was on trial because it taught the resurrection. That was Israel's hope. Without it, there was no individual or national hope. Very good point that Paul makes. He's speaking directly to a Jew, to Herod. Do you believe the Bible or don't you? Do you believe what God has said or don't you? That was the real issue. Then Paul explained further. God had spoken to him on the way to Damascus to persecute the Christians. 
When Paul asked the Lord to identify himself, he said, I am Jesus. Then the Lord said to him, I am sending you to open their eyes, both Jews and Gentiles, and turn them, both Jews and Gentiles, from darkness to light and from the power of Satan, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins. I can imagine that that must have angered the Jews to be lumped together with pagan Gentiles. But that's what the Lord did. According to the Lord, both Jews and Gentiles were blind. They needed their eyes opened. Both were in darkness, and both were under the power of Satan. Both equally needed forgiveness of sins. There really wasn't any difference between religious Jews and pagan Gentiles without Christ. I doubt whether Herod caught what Paul was saying. Paul was saying that everyone, regardless of religion, race, culture, education, training, needs to have his sins forgiven. Sins can only be forgiven by faith in Jesus Christ. He is God's solution to the problem of sin. There is no other solution. So religious or non-religious Jews, religious or non-religious pagans are really all on the same ground before God. All are sinners in need of forgiveness. That was what the Lord told Paul in that meeting on the way to Damascus that day. Paul looks right at Agrippa and says, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I preach to Jews and Gentiles that they should repent and prove their repentance by their deeds. Paul reminds Agrippa that he is saying nothing beyond what Moses and the prophets have said, that the Christ would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people, the Jews, and to the Gentiles. It is at this point that Paul is interrupted by Governor Festus. Festus just couldn't by what Paul was saying. It was too incredible to believe. He shouted to Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you insane. I come back to the reaction of these three men to the good news. Felix, who served as governor before Festus, heard Paul and said, I'll hear you again. It's not convenient now. He put Paul off. He would decide later. Festus thought the whole message of the resurrection was stupid. He couldn't accept anything beyond what he could experience, beyond the physical material dimension. Anything outside of this dimension is madness. It's insanity. Both are tragic and deadly responses. To put off making up your mind about Christ and truth until it's convenient is deadly. That was Felix. To refuse to believe in Jesus because the whole thing seems so stupid to the natural mind is equally deadly. That was Festus. Both reactions are typical of many people in our enlightened 20th century and just as deadly. Call it living water and he 
What's New is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.